The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m., and here is your top five at five as investors look to sell stocks. Stocks under pressure, futures down triple digits, and the cryptos, they're getting hit again, coming off a big drop on Tuesday. Another day, another Fed chief talking taper. Jim Bullard hitting on winding down the central banks. Easy money policies more taxes ahead. Democrats rolling out a plan for a number of new hikes, some going right after your investments. The not-so-friendly skies is brewing tensions between American Airlines and its pilots. Looks to potentially boil over all as travel continues to boom. And your morning RBI, as millions of you pack up and move, a surprising new spot some of you are now calling home. It is Wednesday, September 8th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome, as always, from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. And there is a lot going on in a number of different parts of the market today. First, as always, the stocks. Futures, they are down again right now. In fact, Dow futures, they're down triple digits, about three-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ futures also lower, although fair value has them up by about one point. The Dow falling 269 points on Tuesday to kick off the holiday shortened week. The S&P also ending the session slightly lower. The Nasdaq, though, as tech tends to do, able to eke out some gains, closing at a new high. And as you have heard and we have heard from guests this week in particular, the days after Labor Day, do tend to be volatile. And historically, they often see selling. So at least one day in, we're kind of following the historical norm. Now, no group got sold off more on Tuesday than the cryptos. Bitcoin tumbling nearly 10% at one point, but after again breaking above 52,000 late Monday, that's its highest level since May. So a lot of upside momentum and then kind of a big drop. Kind of surprising some too because it came on the news that El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, the first country to do so. You'd think that'd be bullish. It wasn't. There was some exchange issues as well. Maybe that sent it down. Right now, we are seeing some more selling, not to the level we were. Ethereum down under 2%, Bitcoin down about 1.7% as well, keeping a close eye on the cryptos. Meantime, it was a mixed session in Asia. Japan's Nikkei, again, leading gains in the region up nearly 1%. They revised their second quarter GDP higher. And I say, again, because you go Japan, the Japanese stock market is now more than 8% in just one month. Japan, it's been red hot. And in Europe... They won't, their session, they are following us lower. All the major averages are in the red, and they are down. All right, as always, more in the markets and your money in just a moment. But right now, let us get a feel for some of the big stories out there on this Wednesday. Congressional Democrats are weighing several new potential tax hikes to help cover the cost of their $3.5 trillion social spending plan. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon has introduced... Proposals on so-called mark-to-market taxes on derivatives and carried interest. Currently, investors do not pay taxes 
on gains or claim a deduction for losses until they sell that position. Wyden's proposal expected to face pushback from both Republicans and even some centrist Democrats. Jim Bullard is once again speaking out about the Fed's plan to begin rolling back its massive stimulus program. Speaking to the Financial Times, the St. Louis Central Bank chief says the Fed should move forward with a plan to begin winding down that program, dismissing concerns that the labor market recovery is faltering just a bit that follows Friday's disappointing jobs number. There is plenty of demand, Bullard argues, for workers, and there are more job openings than there are unemployed people seeking work in the United States. By the way, the JOLTS number, Job Opening and Labor Turnover Survey, out today at 10 a.m. We'll get more on that number. And the union representing American Airlines pilots says it is making plans to protest the airline at its major hubs this fall. The union cites over things like scheduling, fatigue, a lack of hotels for crews, and the potential for more summer moves. The union, representing Southwest Pilots, by the way, says it is considering a similar move over those similar issues. The unions for both airlines' flight attendants have also complained about these problems as well. All right, let's get back down to the markets and your money is bubbling concerns about a potential correction linger out there. For one, Morgan Stanley says markets are priced to perfection and vulnerable. Remember, there has not been a pullback of more than 10% since the March 2020 lows. And Morgan Stanley analysts now see a decline of 10 to 15% before the end of the year. Let's find out if your first guest disagrees or agrees. Aaron Gibbs, president and CIO of Gibbs Wealth Management. Aaron, it's great to see you. Good morning. Do you think we should or will have a 10 plus percent correction by the end of the year? I think it's certainly possible, uh, mainly because since we've had this run-up where we haven't had any dips by more than 10%, what's really been going on is there's been a trade-off in leadership where it went growth for six months, then value was the leader for six months, and then growth for six months. And the conditions that would lead us to, let's say, another leg of value leading for another six months and then keeping that, that, that uh, average up, the broad market up, um, really aren't there. We don't see uh, a big jump or a big indicator in some of the yield curves, though certainly 10-year has improved. Um, and we, we don't see as many inflation fears. It seems that the market has really uh, taken that in stride. So it is possible maybe that value will come up to play and it'll push us through another six months uh, despite any worries about uh, economic uh, recovery being a lot slower and more defensive stocks will keep that market going up, up, up and up. Um, but it is a question, uh, and it's something that I'm looking very carefully at to see uh, whether we'll see this leadership transition or whether we'll finally take a breather. Would it be healthy if we did get one, Aaron? I mean, you know, the longer we go up, up, up like this, more people tend to get nervous. Yes, I think... I don't know if we necessarily need a full 10% correction, but certainly a five would feel really good for me. Uh, just looking at valuations, uh, that would bring us uh, at least to the sort of new norm of highs. Uh, and if you do adjustments for how analysts are, are overestimate, are underestimating estimates and underestimating growth, that would bring us into a more reasonably priced area. 
Uh, and and also just having one more quarter's worth of earnings come in, we get a little more sure about what kind of growth we're going to see for particularly for 2022. Uh, I think that kind of consolidation, uh, you know, but not that we even have to go down, but just go sideways would be healthy for the market as we really start to understand just how fast is this economy going to take for us to fully reopen. When are people going to go back to work? When are people going to be able to like let their kids go to school? So, uh, you know, that one quarter yeah. of the population with kids can go back to work. Um, and so I, I see some definite risks out there for the next three months. Yeah, and in the Northeast, all the kids, or not all of them, but most of them are going back to school this week. The expanded federal unemployment benefits rolled off yesterday, or Monday rather. So things could change dramatically in the next 30 to 60 days. We're going to find out. But let's talk about investing. You've talked on this program about your core investing strategy, meaning you're not going way out on the limb with super growthy or deep value stocks at four times earnings. You're kind of looking for that sweet spot in the middle, which is a little why I was confused, Aaron, as to why Amazon is one of your picks for us today. Because I'm thinking, isn't that kind of way out on the right side of growth? So what I'm talking about is almost doing a, a barbell approach where you're able to take uh, some of your best growth, but uh, I'd like to say definitely growth at a more reasonable price, uh, and then some of your traditional defensives, which could be a little expensive, and ultimately you end up with a core portfolio. So just really looking at your overall portfolio, making sure that you've got exposure to both, because as we've seen, we're now... Uh, we finished the third rotation from growth to value to, to growth. Uh, I'm, like I said, I'm not entirely sure if we're just going to flip straight back to value. I'm rather trying to make that call just right now. Uh, I'm basically playing both fields uh, and seeing that I have my foot in both potential leadership roles, but still being concerned about price. Amazon really has been underperforming the market um, just up until they finally broke out in July. And so that's when I really started to look at it and say, oh, here's where we're finally coming up. Um, and this this recent dip for me is that sweet call, sort of, sort of sweet space to say, okay, it finally broke out of its trading range. Uh, this is where it's going to grow. And I see Amazon being able to grow at, uh, at yeah. or above the economic recovery. So that's, yes, it is a, a growth of reasonable price. And on the other side of that as well is the name that we don't talk about much, except when we talk about infrastructure. Oh, by the way, we're talking a lot about infrastructure lately, and that is a name like a Vulcan Materials. I mean, literally, you went from Amazon and all their trucks on the road to a company that helps make roads. So here's the barbell approach, right? So this is materials. They should be doing well, uh, whether or not we have an economic slowdown or not. One thing that isn't slowing down is uh, construction, uh, whether it's roads or housing, uh, and these are the guys that sell you all the materials. So um, this stock has really been keeping up with the market for, for the past six months. Again, it's come down a, a bit, but I think this is the one that is on the more defensive side and will do well over uh, towards the end of the year, and if not further on, as, as your other end of that barbell approach and making sure that you've got exposure to both potential leaderships. Aaron Gibbs, Gibbs Wealth Management, Amazon, Vulcan Materials. Aaron, it's a pleasure to have you on. Have a good day and a great week. Thank you. All right, when we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, because we are just getting started, we're going to turn to the COVID story and go right to the source, asking the head of one of New Jersey's hospitals what he is seeing right now and what he expects. Also, 
What are the real odds of a so-called breakthrough infection? Plus, your morning RBI, or, and big money movers rather, including PayPal and Microsoft, adding to a record year for M&A as the deal makers and the deal lawyers just keep getting richer and richer. And it is a special Wednesday edition of the Top 5 Insider Buys of the Week, your exclusive look at the company executives buying up the most of their own company's shares, including one on a month-long shopping spree and one of the single biggest buys we have ever seen. It's in a new name, and we'll name it for you coming up. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, time now for your big money movers of the morning. Now, this time it is five. Usually it's three, but we're just, it's inflation. It's big money mover inflation. So it's five stock stories of the morning. You ready? Let me get a sip of coffee. We're ready to go here. I'm kidding. All right, stock number one, Citrix Systems. They help workers log on to computer systems remotely. Kind of a big deal, right? The Wall Street Journal reports that a giant hedge fund, Elliott Management, has built up a more than 10% stake in the company and is pushing it to take action to boost the stock price. Citrix in a hot market, down 15% this year. Back-to-back disappointing earnings numbers that included guidance cuts as well. Stock number two, Coupa Software. The company posting a wider second quarter loss on higher costs, but sales did jump on growth and subscription revenue. Coupa also raising its guidance for the year. Stock up 6% in the pre-market. Stock number three, Canada Goose. Shares are down after the outdoor clothing company with the $1,000 jackets was fined by Chinese authorities and criticized by state media for allegedly breaking the country's advertising laws. Stock down over 3%. All right, stock number four, PayPal. Continuing a red-hot trend, buying Japanese buy-now, pay-later firm, Payday for $2.7 billion. A deal will help PayPal expand in a country where online shopping volume has more than tripled in the past decade. More than two-thirds of all purchases are still made. Get this, with cash. And certainly last but not least, Microsoft. It is buying ClipChamp for an undisclosed amount. Who is ClipChamp? Well, it's an Australian company that makes video editing software. ClipChamp, by the way, the ninth company that Microsoft has bought this year. Wow. All right, still on deck. No cashier? No problem. As Amazon wants to make it easier to just grab and go, but this time at Whole Foods. Today's big number, 454%. 
That's the jump in sign-on bonuses offered across all sectors to lure employees to open positions, according to analytics firm Global Data. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back. Let's get a check down on some of this morning's other top headlines, including a developing story overnight of a very powerful earthquake hitting Mexico. Philip Menes in New York now with that and more. Philip, good morning. Hi, Brian. Good morning. Yeah, a powerful 7.0 magnitude earthquake rocked Mexico last night. It happened north of Acapulco, but it was so strong that it shook buildings more than 200 miles away in Mexico City. Mexico's president and the mayor of Mexico City said there were no reports of injuries and the damage so far appeared limited. Pop icon Britney Spears may be one step closer to getting control of her life back. The singer's father, Jamie Spears, filed a petition to end his daughter's conservatorship after 13 years of controlling her estate. Her father said that Britney's circumstances have changed, quote, to such an extent that grounds for establishment of a conservatorship may no longer exist. And it is finally the day that the captain gets his moment in Cooperstown. Derek Jeter is being inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame today after the class of 2020's induction ceremony was canceled last year due to the pandemic. The Yankees legend played 20 seasons in the Bronx, winning five World Series. So, Brian, this, this is the cherry on top of a fairy tale career for Derek Jeter. I'm not a Yankees fan, Philip. I don't think you are either, but I have to say, watching those late 90s, early 2000s teams, Jeter, all Captain Clutch, always seemed to come through. So part of that, congratulations, a very well-deserved honor. Philip, thank you. Yeah, that's right. I agree. Yep, except the only team that had a winning record against them was my Angels. All right. Time now for your top trending stories, including a house made out of a rather unique material, some high-priced art to potentially hang in it, and a record number of people heading out to the movies. Bertha Coombs here now this morning with more on these trending stories. Bertha. Good morning, Brian. Yes, a house in Brooklyn made of shipping containers has just sold for $5 million. The house was completed in 2016 and was constructed from 21 containers. It spans 3,500 square feet with four floors, five rooms, and what the listing describes as New York City's last permanent wood-burning fireplace. And if you're looking for some multi-million dollar art to put up in your $5 million container home in very chic Brooklyn, you can't get chicer than the self-shredding Banksy painting from 2018. It's going back up for auction next month. At that time, the piece had sold for $1.4 million. This time, it could go for between 5 and $8 million. At least it's something physical, right? It's not an NFT. Meantime, AMC theater attendance has surpassed 2019 levels for the first time. The holiday weekend saw 2 million people watching movies in one of the chain's theaters, the highest Labor Day weekend numbers in the company's history. 
AMC CEO Adam Aaron pointed to Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings as the main driver for the record weekend attendance, as the movie pulled in its own Labor Day weekend record of $90 million. Maybe it's not a meme after all, Brian? I went to the movies recently with my son, saw Jungle Cruise. Not going to rate the movie because I would like the rating and I don't want The Rock beating me up. <laughs> um, I will say this about that house, though. We talk a lot about shipping container costs. It's an awesome house. They should just disassemble it and put the shipping containers back on the market. They might make more money. I think it looks really nice. Uh, it's great. And, you know, it is, it's it cool. is Brooklyn. So in Brooklyn, it's a lot you're cool going to get a inside. lot of money. And 3,500 square feet in New York City is kind of unheard of. Yeah, and like a full house, too. And if, and if, by the way, if we have a lot of listeners on XM that are driving going, I wish I could see the house, well, just, you know, check it, Google, whatever, $5 million Brooklyn shipping container house. Would you buy it, Bertha? If you had, you know, um, I don't know, you Joe Kernan-type money? I, I don't know. I, I really, I, I, I'm a Manhattan girl. I, I live close to the river. I live close to the park. I, I really like being able to just walk a few blocks in either direction and get to green and to water. That, well, that's true. In fact, I don't know if you checked your messages. I, I met some people that know you from the Adirondacks yesterday, <laughs> randomly. Like, you know Bertha Coombs? Yeah, she's, that's a lot of green She's there. awesome. I was like... A lot of green. I was like, I agree. I agree on all. Bertha, we'll see in a few <laughs> minutes. Thank you. Literally a small world in a big forest. All right. Still on deck, Apple investors, mark your calendars. Apple sending out invites for its next big event, and it could be getting a new iPhone from it. Speaking of Apple, they have podcasts. We have a podcast. Bring the two together. Follow us on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher. Dow Futures down 105. We're back right after this. Go back to bed, because we have got red to begin your week. Dow Futures, they are down exactly 100, but will tech ride to the rescue once again? It might. We'll update you on the markets. As COVID cases rise, the White House, under new pressure, and it's rolling out a new strategy, will hit it. And also speak with the head of one New Jersey hospital about what your real risks might be of a so-called breakthrough infection. And just grab it and walk out of the store. Legally. Amazon is bringing its cashless technology to Whole Foods. It is Wednesday, September 8th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back and good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. Here's how your money is shaping up on this Wednesday. And futures, they are down, but I'll give you some good news. They're not down as much as they were when we woke up this morning. And trust me, that's early. Dow futures are now down 98 points. They were down over 200 earlier in the session. Now, the Dow falling 270 points yesterday to kick off the holiday shortened week. The S&P also slightly lower. But as we said, big tech, it continues to roll. The Nasdaq was able to eke out a small gain and, of course, closing at a new high. And as you have heard from many guests, no doubt, this week, particularly after Labor Day, this week shortened is often volatile and often sees selling. You got lower volumes, so any moves are exacerbated. It's only a one-day trend, which of course is not a trend, but that's exactly what we have so far. Now, 
No group got sold more on Tuesday than the cryptos. Bitcoin tumbling nearly 10% at one point. But of course, after breaking above 52,000 late Monday, that was its highest level since May. The action coming as El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as an option for legal tender, the first country to do so. Right now, we're actually seeing a re- a, kind of like stock features. They were, the cryptos were down a lot more about two hours ago. Ethereum down 1%, Bitcoin about one5 Litecoin you could see is higher. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of a turn in sentiment for both stocks and cryptos this morning. Time will tell. All right, meantime, check out shares of Coinbase. The SEC has threatened to sue Coinbase if the company moves forward with a plan to launch a program allowing users to earn interest by lending their crypto assets. The SEC issued Coinbase with what's called a Wells Notice. As a result, Coinbase said that it would delay its launch of its Lend product until at least October. Regulators have raised concern about products that allow crypto users to lend out in return for interest arguing that such products would not comply with certain securities laws. Coinbase has argued the product is not a security, so they can fight it out and we'll see what happens. All right, let's see what's happening in the European markets. Get your trade, get some of your top stories. Let's go worldwide. Juliana Tatelbaum in our London newsroom with a look at the trade. And Juliana, I saw your Insta post or a tweet or whatever it was, your 10-year anniversary uh, Brian, good morning. Uh, hopefully you've got me there. Uh, Brian, we've got red across the board here in Europe this morning. We are tracking very similar moves to what you're seeing in the United States. We've got red for every major region here in Europe. And the losses have accelerated from yesterday. But it is worth noting that we have bounced off the absolute lows of the, of the morning. So perhaps investors have found a floor. We've got the CAC 40 over in France down about 1%. The German index underperforming a little bit down about 1.2% this morning. Here in the UK, the FTSE 100 down about 1%. From a sector perspective, we've also got broad-based losses. So every sector trading in the red, with the exception of travel and leisure, interestingly, up about four-tenths of a percent. We saw some encouraging comments out of the Ryanair CEO this morning. So perhaps that's providing a bit of a boost to sentiment in the sector. On the downside, autos, the the key underperformer this morning, down about 1.7% alongside industrials and media. And Brian, here in Europe this week, we are keenly awaiting the European Central Bank meeting, which is due to take place tomorrow. And the key question there is how the central bank delivers what we expect to be a dovish message when they plan to scale back the pace of asset purchases that they're making. No change to interest rates expected tomorrow, but like in the U.S., we are closely watching the European Central Bank for comments around the inflation outlook and what they plan to do from a tapering perspective. Brian, back over to you. All right, Juliana, thank you very much. Everything down but travel and leisure stocks, kind of a flip of what we've seen the last couple of weeks. All right, now let's get a look at some of this morning's other top headlines and stories out there. Bertha Coombs back now with those. Bertha, what are we watching on this Wednesday? Well, Brian, I don't know if you've ever been to one of their their take-and-go stores. Amazon is bringing its automated cashierless checkout technology now to two Whole Foods stores set to open next year. One is in D.C., the other in California. Shoppers will be able to enter by scanning an app and then leave without standing in line. 
cameras and sensors know what items are picked up, and then customers are charged for the goods when they exit. That's a tall order. Meantime, Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan reportedly made multiple stock trades of a million dollars or more last year, according to the Wall Street Journal, citing financial disclosures provided by the Dallas Fed. Kaplan's moves are in contrast with other regional Fed leaders who made more modest holdings and transactions. Of course, he is a former vice chair of Goldman Sachs. The journal says among Kaplan's holdings, sales and purchases, names like Amazon, Boeing, Alphabet, Facebook, Marathon and Marathon Petroleum, rather, Alibaba, GE, Chevron and Apple. Speaking of Apple, the company has set a date for its next launch event. The tech giant announcing next Tuesday, September 15th, for that event. Apple expected to unveil the latest version of its iPhone with speculation that it could also show off its latest Apple Watch and AirPod models. Brian, it's always a highlight of September, isn't it, that Apple event? I'm waiting for the iPhone 72 that teleports me automatically to an Amazon <laughs> Go store. And no, I have not. Have you been to one of those the... Amazon Go? It's, it's a strange experience. I've seen one. I can't imagine doing a, a big grocery shop. It's, it, I mean, I've gone in and grabbed yeah, a couple it, it of things. Feels... I can't imagine doing my whole groceries. Yeah, I saw one in San Francisco when I was there recently. It was kind of small, about the size of like a, I don't know, a 7-Eleven or something. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is weird. Cool, but... But weird. Yeah. And of course, the phone knows all, right? So they know what you're buying. It's a little weird. Bertha, thank you. All right, turning now to the COVID pandemic. As a new study out of the New Jersey Hospital Association shows that unvaccinated people are now six times more likely to end up in the hospital if they contract COVID-19. The number of hospitalized patients does remain over 1,000 in the state. And New Jersey is seeing some of the highest number of COVID deaths per capita right now in the country. Governor Phil Murphy also saying that out of the 5.6 million New Jerseyans who are fully vaccinated, just over a thousand tested positive for the virus in the last week of August. And 98 percent of those people stayed out of the hospital. Sixty eight fully vaccinated people died overall. So the numbers of the so-called breakthrough cases are incredibly small. Joining us now at the look and on the ground look is Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, CEO of University Hospital in Newark. Dr. El-Nahal, it's great to have you back on with your perspective. And I want to get into the macro for a bit, but as our viewers who follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn know, I've been kind of diving into the very, we don't have a lot of data nationally on vaccinated cases that end up in the hospital. The state of Massachusetts does, King County, Washington publishes it, and the state of Michigan publishes. That's pretty much all I've been able to find. So I published some data because there's a lot of scary headlines. And the numbers I came out with that out of fully vaccinated in Michigan, your chances of ending up in the hospital are 0.005%. They're not zero, but they're very low. Does your anecdotal study of your own hospital, your patients, indicate that if you're vaccinated, you yes, you might get a case, but your outcome is likely to be good. What are you seeing, doctor? 
Uh, thank you so much for having me. So uh, yes, it's very much the case that we are seeing uh, many fewer people who are fully vaccinated come to our emergency room with COVID-19 symptoms and certainly be admitted and certainly die from COVID-19. We have a few cases uh, over the last few weeks where folks uh, unfortunately were um, you know, positive for COVID-19, admitted and died, despite having been fully vaccinated. But the chances of that are much, much lower if you are fully vaccinated. So it's very important to caveat all of our concerns around breakthrough infections um, and waning immunity with that fact. However, uh, if you are overweight, if you are uh, older, if you have comorbidities, that risk of actually having a much worse outcome if you contract COVID-19 is greater. And that's the profile of folks we're seeing admitted to the hospital now, despite being fully vaccinated with COVID-19. Yeah, and, and it's a hard thing to talk about on TV. And I'm just going to tell you it straight up, doctor, because you don't want to seem cold. I don't want to come off as cold or dispassionate. I have elderly parents. I've got a 93-year-old uncle who's been in and out of the hospital. It's I, I want everybody's family to do well. But I do wish that for the public's sake, we got more knowledge. We, by the way, the CDC doesn't publish any of this data anymore for whatever reason. Only some states do. That we got more demographic information with that. Because there's a lot of people who read about the headlines. And in my industry, I admit it, it's a big, scary headline. Oscar De La Hoya vaccinated, you know, really sick. So you think everybody's getting really ill. Can we do a better job of at least explaining to people, yes, there's risk. But if you're 89 years old or severely overweight, it, it's not I don't want anybody to get sick, but there's other risks out there. You, you see what I'm trying to say without sounding without sounding cold or even mean. Well, I think it's a really important question. What are the risks that actually uh, make you much greater likelihood of being admitted or having a severe case of COVID-19 despite uh, having full vaccination? And it's the usual suspects, according to what we're seeing in our hospital. One important point to mention is that uh, there isn't necessarily standard reporting across the country on even the vaccination status of people being admitted with COVID-19 now. And so that's why the data you're seeing reported nationally isn't as detailed as you would like. I think the broader point, though, is that we need boosters. I think we're seeing more breakthrough cases uh, in our hospital uh, throughout the state of New Jersey. And while 75% of uh, folks hospitalized are unvaccinated, that means 25% or so have at least one dose of a vaccine. That is a greater rate of hospitalization for fully vaccinated people now than even just a couple of months ago. And I think uh, the conversations happening nationally around boosters couldn't happen at a better time. I think we need it. I think in particular, the elderly in our community here in Newark uh, and folks with comorbidities that we've been talking about need a booster and it can come soon enough. Yeah, and it's and again, I, I don't want, I'm not a doctor. I do dive into the data pretty deeply. I don't want to make any assumptions, but it does look like if we look at Israeli data, maybe UK data, some of our early data, and maybe the reason that we are seeing so many people that are very old or have severe comorbidities that are suffering the most because they were the first ones to get the vaccine, Dr. El Nahal, would you agree with that? So they, they might have gotten their second shot as early as January. So it's kind of looking like an eight-month timeline toward reduced antibodies a bit? Would you, again, you're the expert. Would you agree with that? Well, what we know from press releases and from company statements is that the companies assert that six months is really the time uh, that you should get a booster. But I do think the federal government is going to go with eight months and they're going to start sequencing it based on the actual data submitted uh, to the FDA. So I think what we'll see later this month, most likely, is that a 
an approval or authorization rather for a Pfizer booster will come through. I do hope that Moderna comes soon enough, or at least uh, that the FDA and the CDC think about allowing folks who didn't take Pfizer the first time around uh, to take it for their booster so that we can vaccinate, especially uh, the vulnerable folks in our community sooner rather than later with that third shot. So uh, I do think uh, that in conjunction with the Delta surge, the fact that we now have a version of COVID-19 that is more than twice as good at uh, spreading from person to person than the original virus that filled up my hospital about a year ago, uh, more uh, at this point, uh, is concerning. And I think uh, that really speaks to, I think, the urgent need for a booster. And are you seeing less reticence to get the shot? We actually have seen national vaccination numbers almost double off their July lows, doctor. We're seeing folks uh, get vaccinated every single day in our community. And we're going out in our community and going door to door, canvassing, having the conversations around side effects and some of the uh, misinformation that folks are seeing on social media and still getting folks uh, to show up to these mobile vaccination events all this time later. And so I think it's important to understand that the essential task of vaccinating the unvaccinated at this point has never been more important. The whole concept of herd immunity relies much more on additional people who haven't gotten the vaccine yet to do so rather than uh, the task of giving a booster to folks. And so I think that's a really important point to make. Well, I can't tell how important it is for us to have you on because you're offering real world information, not just numbers on a computer screen or an article in a paper. A life behind all these things here. Dr. Sharif El-Nahal, we really appreciate getting up early for us, doctor. Thank you very much. All right. Coming up, follow the moving truck. New numbers on where Americans have been moving and what they might tell us about the future of the American economy, the top five places that we are moving. Some of them are surprising. That's next. First, as we had to break some of your other top headlines on this Wednesday morning, a big hire by Ford. They have hired a former Tesla and Apple executive named Doug Field. He will run the automaker's emerging technology efforts. The White House proposing a stopgap bill to fund the government. This comes as Congress debates a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill, the Democrats' $3.5 trillion budget reconciliation package. The government's fiscal year ends on September 30th. And as the Gulf Coast continues to deal with the after-effects of Hurricane Ida, The lower Mississippi River is once again open for shipping nearly a week after being closed. However, some grain exports are still struggling to leave terminals in southern Louisiana because of lingering power outages. Peak grain export season, did you know that, is just weeks away. Louisiana is home to the nation's busiest export outlet for things like corn and soybeans. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. And we're back right after this. Your morning RBI today has to do with geography, specifically the new geographies. Of course, many of you are moving or have moved. And we know that a huge number of folks have moved in the past year. We also know that many have generally gone either south or west or, or maybe a combo of both. But where exactly are they going? Well, we're starting to know more. Moving app firm Updater reviewed by 1.5 million moves and Axios looked at the data based on what they have seen. Here are the top five cities with the most net inbound moves, i.e. more people moving in that are moving out. Number five is Dallas. Number four, maybe a little more surprising, Savannah, Georgia. Gorgeous, though kind of a relatively mid-sized city. 
Number three, not surprising, Denver. Everybody seems to be moving to Denver if they're not moving to number two. And that is Vegas, baby, Vegas. Las Vegas with the second most inbound moves. And of course, maybe not the area you'd think of. You talk about Florida, but the most inbound moves in America, according to Updater, is Orlando. That's right, Orlando seeing a huge net inbound move ratio and a big jump, by the way, from last year's rankings. By the way, six of the top 20, we just don't have time to show you all top 20, were in Florida. And only Seattle, Redmond, Washington, and Portland, Oregon were cities in the northern part of America. Apparently, we all want it warm, and maybe we kind of want it new, right? Newly built and shiny. Orlando, the most net inbound moves over the past year. Maybe they can visit Universal. I'm told it's pretty cool. Random, but interesting. All right, on deck, a rare Wednesday edition of our exclusive insider buying segment, including one of the single biggest insider buys we have ever seen, and it's in a new name. We'll show them to you and name the stocks coming up. And if you have not already, follow our podcast on all the major podcasting platforms. Dow Futures, they're coming back a bit. We're only down 67. We're back right after this. And it is a special Wednesday because we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to bring you our weekly exclusive insider buying segment. Normally, we do this on Fridays, but with vacations and schedules moving around, I'm off this Friday, I'm off the next Friday. We want to bring it to you, and we had to move it around. So these stocks have seen the most insider buying by their own executives. And as we have noted, they have largely outperformed the broader market in the past year. And as always, our thanks to InsiderScore.com for the data and as always, also counting you down five to one, the most insider buying by their own execs. A lot of top fives today, but why not? It's 5 a.m. All right, let's go. The fifth most insider buying is Primoris Services. Who? Or Dallas-based contracting firm, a director there buying 246000 worth of that. Number four, the COO of FireEye buying $466,000 worth, by the way, he has been a buyer all month long of F-E-Y-E. Stock number three, Sixtira Tech, C-Y-X-T. Again, a former SPAC from Starboard Value Partners. They now run data centers, a director there buying $780,000 worth. Well, now the numbers get big. All right, the second most insider buying this week is insurance company Select Quote. You've got the COO buying just over $2 million worth, by the way. His brother, who's also an executive, he has also been buying, as have the CEO and the COO. So there's been a big buying spree by at least four executives at Select Quote. That is a name to watch. But the most insider buying this week, Kano Health. A massive $14 million buy by the CEO, Marlo Hernandez, buying over 1.3 million shares. This is a Miami-based owner of Senior Care Center's Hernandez, the founder of the company, he took it public as well via a SPAC. That is a name to watch, a massive. I think it's the second biggest single insider buy that we have seen in the year or so plus we've been doing this. There you go, Primoris, FireEye, Sixtier. I feel like I'm reading Greek mythology here. Select Quote and Kano Health, your top five insider buys this week on a rare Wednesday edition. 
All right, let's stay on the stock story and talk about a guy who knows something about stocks and says there are still some areas of the market that are attractive. And he is here. He is David Katz of Matrix Asset Advisors. David, before we get to some of your ideas, do you look at insider buys? Please say yes, because otherwise we, you just blow a whole do, segment of smithereens. But does it, does it matter to you at all? We look at it. It absolutely is a very good tell, especially in terms of buying. So that list you just uh, laid out was pretty impressive. There was a lot of buying. Uh, there's more buying at this point in the cycle. The market's up a lot, but there still has been a lot of buying, less selling. So that's a bullish sign for the overall market. In terms of those companies you just mentioned, pretty impressive. We'll look at one or two of those. Oh, thank you. for. I had no idea what your answer would be, but now I can stop sweating. I appreciate it, David. Thank you. Um, you're a guy that tends to look at individual names, finding opportunities. But do you have a macro market view right now, David? I know a lot of stock pickers like yourself say, I just focus on companies. A lot of nervousness bubbling out there. Morgan Stanley saying we might have a 15% correction. You got a macro view right now? Well, we're bottom-up guys, but we do have a macro view. We think that the market ultimately will be higher over the next 6 to 12 months, but we do expect more volatility. Now is not the time to be speculative. You really want to pay attention to fundamentals. You want to pay attention to valuation. Uh, don't get caught up in the craziness of the day. We're a little bit wary about the ultra-high momentum stocks, the 100 PEs, uh, the meme stocks. We think that uh, uh, cryptocurrency is, is a disaster waiting to happen. So there are things that we wouldn't speculate on. Having said that, we think there are areas that if you have a 12-month time horizon, you can make reasonable money in the stock market. Yeah, I was reading some stuff, too, about how some of the hot money from the meme stocks has now gone into NFTs and some of the bricks and some of the other things that people are doing that are just a little more difficult to understand. But let's go to something that you do understand, and that is bottom-up stock picking. We know you love dividend payers. Dividends, by the way, don't get as much love as they should. Nor does Bank of New York, BK. Why not? Well, Bank of New York is a real good company, a very good long-term prospects. They are impaired by lower interest rates. If interest rates are moving up or going to move up over the next six to 12 months, Bank of New York is a direct beneficiary. The stock's had a pretty decent move in the last month. We think it's just the beginning. We think the stock easily should be 20 to 30% higher, very low risk in the meantime. GIS as well, General Mills, again, a big company. Everybody knows their products, but not a stock. I watch CNBC all day long, and it's not a name that I really see ever come up outside of quarterly earnings. What are you seeing out of the Minneapolis company that you like? Well, consumer staples right now is like watching paint dry. They've really had a fairly miserable 12-month period. <laughs> they normally sell at a premium to the market or at least at a market multiple. As a result of their very dull performance over the last 12 months, the whole group is now selling at a decent discount to the market. General Mills has reasonably good long-term prospects, pays a 3.5% yield, and it's at 15.5 times earnings. So we think if the market ultimately slows down, uh, this is going to be a good place to make money and be more protective. We like others in the group, uh, like a Kellogg or a Coca-Cola as well. Sometimes watching paint dry is fun. Just depends on what, you know, what you've been doing, I guess. David, finally, uh, Truist. It's a name we see a lot advertised because it's a new name, but it's the combination of, what was it, SunTrust and, and I think Regions and Financial. So Truist. Yeah, BBT, that's right. Thank you for correcting me there. That's why they're marketing, because sure. it's a new, they got one of these new fancy names. But you just think the stock is kind of, again, underloved. 
Well, they're doing everything right except changing the name, which we sort of take issue with, because why do you want to do that when you have two great brands? But having said that, uh, exactly. there's going to be a change in the CEO in the next 12 months. We uh, think that's going to be very good for the company. It's at a very, very attractive valuation. The Southeast is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. You're getting a 3.5% plus yield, a lot of good things. When interest rates go up, we think it's very good for yep. it. So it's a great place to put new money. Bank of New York, General Mills, Truist Financial, David Katz, always a pleasure to have you on. Some great names there, David. Have a great day. Thank you very much. And folks, thank you all for watching or listening as well. If you're listening on the podcast tonight, a future thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. Squawk is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.